Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Here we are. Got the fan going in the background. Uh, and you have the um, Arc de Triumph in the background in Newman. Is that what that is? Isn't it? It says Senatus Popolusque Romanus Divotito Dive Espanie, which I think is Spain. I don't know. It's just Ooh. a cool print that I found at Newman. Yep. And then that's that's old JHN. And that's is that your office? Degree. Yeah, I'm in my office. Nice. Keep your old diploma up just in case everyone, anyone wonders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm college educated. That way, if anybody questions you, you can just point to it. Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah, and you could, is it sit behind your head like that? No, I'm sitting in the seat that normally <clears throat> my appointment haver would sit in. Ah, wow. Because I was going to say, that's a power move. Like, just keep your diplomas all around your head. Yeah. So that whenever they talk to you, they see just how smart you are. I want to say doctors. When I was a kid, there was some office I went into where I would see that. And maybe it was the pediatrician and his office was just covered in, or maybe the dentist degrees or like certificates. And maybe that's why I do this. <laughs> I don't that's know. a great that's quite the line maybe that's why i do this <laughs> <laughs> early memory it just normalized showing off your degree your diploma so i don't have my high school diploma in here dang you huh. should yeah Actually, i wonder i've i wonder if i even have that i must you did, did you guys get the school, uh didn't you? i did all right. Did you when you walked across the stage? Did they hand you just an empty shell of a diploma holder? That's what they did for us. No. Then they'd, like, then they'd mail it to you. I think that's it's what too you complicated have. to have the stack in the right order. How many people were in your high school class? Eight hundred and ninety oh. or something. That's Holy literally cow. bigger than my hometown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I stood. I walked in next to a girl I'd never seen before. Whoa! Wow. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Yeah, your school didn't care about you. No, M- mine did. So no. Oh yeah, you went to like a homeschool or something, right? Did you graduate <laughs> in your living room? <laughs> Look, mom had like a huge stack of two or three. Yeah. We graduated yeah. together. Yeah, was my a great was graduating family. preschool. I was graduating high school. Yeah, and. Another brother's graduating t- high school because I was held back a couple of years. Not that big of a deal. We all tossed our hats in the air at the end. <laughs> Mine got stuck in our living room ceiling fan. That's okay. <laughs> I got it. No, we had like 70 in my graduating class. This is a little bit smaller. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. As in like a tenth the size of yours. I can tell yeah. they definitely had math in your wow. school. I had 50 in my high school class, but that was after the consolidation. Oh, no. Did so I that freeze? was like the big class at that point. We had 50. Because I went to, I think I went to 
like first grade through junior year of high school with the same. I think there was Shoot. 21 of us that had gone like all the way through. That was it. That is wild, man. Oh. Did we? We lost him, didn't I think we? we lost him. Yeah. He's been lagging. Que pasó? All right, I got Connor, raise one. your hand if you can hear us. <laughs> Are you there, brother? <laughs> Over here, up here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Relax. But just like the whole notion of like being a soldier for Christ. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I I, I feel like attracted to that recently of like, at least in the analogy to like integrate that into the priesthood. Hey, you're back. I'm back. All right. I think it you saved stayed it, recording dude. the whole time. Uh, okay. We'll see. <laughs> I guess. Uh, okay. That's it. For me, it's a, it, for me. It's started back at zero. The what does it say for you? <clears throat> the time. 12, I don't have any numbers at the top left. Up in the top top left corner. Oh, 12, 29, 30, 31. Well, we'll see. I mean, I was completely gone, so like Mike at an old Miss. Do game. you want to? Whoa! <laughs> <Shoot>. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. You, there's no evidence of that left. Um, do we want to start over, or do we want to just keep going? What were you guys even talking about? I'm, pretend I'm a listener who just joined in, in case that what you were saying. Wasn't recorded. Catch me up. Okay. Um, we were talking about this thing. What's it? Well, yeah, the whole, what's it called? The thing? The It's the IRF cycle. IRF. That the 82nd this is amazing. Hmm. Yeah, the immediate <clears throat> reaction force. And so we're about to assume IRF won in uh, February. And that means that our brigade... The 82nd has three brigades, brigade combat teams. If there's a, a world event or a world disaster or war breaks out, our claim is that whoever's on the IRF-1 can be anywhere in the world in 18 hours. Hmm. And so we're about to assume that responsibility, which means that you can't leave. You can only go so far away from post, like for however long you can't drink any alcohol um, you have to be ready to get on the airplane in essentially two hours. Um, and then wherever the airplane goes, we are supposed to be able to be there in 18 hours to jump in and seize an airhead. That's like kind of our main mission. Seize an airhead the like objective. the candy? Uh-huh. Yeah. We are. That's, it seems like, it seems like a not for high airheads, on my priority man. list like, if I'm trying to save the world. <laughs> like, just pack Look, the airheads. Don't it, stop at the store to pick them up. Oh, somebody doesn't have a sweet tooth. <laughs> I will go anywhere for an airhead and a Klondike bar. To seize right? it? <laughs> to seize hey, an airhead. Imagine so saying, then, being so army that you like, hey, can we stop at 7-Eleven real quick? I need to seize an airhead. <laughs> oh, I guarantee you somebody's made that joke 100%. It's like doctrinal language mm-hmm. to seize an airhead. And then we clear the airhead and then we mass firepower so that 
what is an airhead just a, like a beachhead a place where you can land planes or something or? it would mostly be like an airstrip mm-hmm. so it would mm-hmm. be a place that we could <clears throat> clear an objective so that other units who do like more long-term um operational stuff can come in behind us or then we can drop our tanks then we can drop our strikers then we can drop our humvees our gasoline our water Mm -hmm. all that stuff and so you can't throw we don't throw all that stuff out of the airplane some of the stuff we do so like that's our initial alpha echelon that we throw all that stuff out of the airplane but that only lasts a, a couple of days then once the airhead is cleared then the next echelon bravo and charlie will come with some of your heavier equipment that you can drive off of the C-17 instead of trying to throw it out of the airplane. Mm-hmm. Did so. you say Alpha Echelon? Uh-huh. Dude, we, okay. Let's just take a vote. We have got to upgrade our vocabulary in the church. Mm-hmm. Like the talk of, you know, just evangelization. Like we need to talk about Alpha Echelons mm-hmm. and things like that. <laughs> so it's called that, uh, that mission is called a joint forcible entry. And I think I told you this, Rob, but our two star, he's a general and Eve, uh, enjoyed all my interactions with him. Apparently I said that to another officer today and he was like, oh, well, apparently he has a different disposition towards chaplains than he does different operational oh. officers. Cause apparently he can be like pretty aggressive, which doesn't surprise me. Um, but he said that the 82nd airborne division and, it's opportunity to conduct joint forcible entries uh, makes the 82nd an instrument of blunt force trauma. Hmm. And I was like, man, I want to make a t-shirt about that. Mm-hmm. That is really cool. Yeah. Um, you just got to be careful with that stuff because you can turn into sort of a Rex Quando type of person if you get too into sounding cool like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You know what I mean? Like you're just saying words. Like it has Wait. to back. You actually have to be an instrument of blunt force trauma. Otherwise you're just some like teenage kid who took a karate class. He's like, actually I'll have to like register my hands as lethal weapons. So I would actually get in trouble for fighting you. <laughs> it could be a felony because I'm using unregistered <laughs> weapons right now. Dude, what are you saying about Rex Kwando? I don't understand the analogy. <laughs> Does somebody want to get a roundhouse <laughs> kick to the face when I'm wearing sick. these bad boys? Forget about it. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So check this out. This is insane. Um, the the JRTC rotation that we just did, which is the Joint Readiness Training Center down at Fort Polk, is a month long uh, training exercise. And you go down in the first seven days. I think I kind of explained a little bit of this timeline to you guys, but you go down first seven days. All of your equipment comes in on a railhead, comes in on on trains. You unload them, but then you re- start to receive a mission from the division from the this airborne division and then you start to disseminate the mission from division to brigade to our battalion and so our battalion is a field artillery battalion and so we're trying to integrate our plan with the rest of the brigade which means our infantry platoons and in companies and battalions they're going to be moving and we have to shoot coordinate fires so that we protect them as they're moving and so there's all this timing you have to plan it out through time and space um you got to figure out where your batteries are going to be, where your cannons are going to be. And then you actually execute the mission. And it's a 14-day mission, 14 days straight. And this mission, they have created a city in Fort Polk that's, I don't know how many acres this training environment is, but it looks like Afghanistan. It looks like Russia. 
And so they've created these towns that have churches, they have hotels, they have um, different stores, they have different shops, they have hospitals that are there. And you jump into this environment and they have a battalion that's down there full time. They call them Geronimo, who train as the bad guys who are given their own mission. Dude, I was going to ask if they have we, like a whole Truman Show situation going on there where they hire people to live the fake life. They do. That's cool. Civilians civilians come in and they set up shop and they will sell stuff to you. They have reporters that go mm-hmm. around and do stories. So like they, they'll interview chaplains to make sure you're getting reps of like talking to journalists. Um, and they strap on your helmet this like big laser setup that has mm. like sensors and they strap it to your equipment and then they hook uh, a laser sighting to your m4 which coordinates with your your blank rounds that you shoot and you actually can get killed in this game and so they have referees they call them ocs observer controllers that move with your battery that when you get attacked they can adjudicate whether or not you got shot or if somebody shoots rounds at you mm. They're like referees to say that your laser went off, like you've been shot in the head, you go down, they have medics that come out, they have to, if you got shot in the leg, like the medics will come out and actually take care of you. And you do fake funerals? You do fake funerals, dude. It's called a hasty memorial. And you have to be like really careful with it. Mm -hmm. So it's like totally live reps, 100% live. And so those, you have to kind of, you say like, hey, this is a training experience. You kind of like step out of the game and say, hey, you know, could I get some soldiers to help me? We need to carry this wounded guy, do all this triage care. It's it's like a $40 million. I was going to say one of the reasons we don't have the cool vocab, Rob, is that we don't have the money. Is that it? It's not to do that kind of elaborate. That's crazy how expensive that must be. It's totally crazy. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And at one point, like one of the culminating events, they bring one of our battalions and a company within the battalion. They um, uh, do an air assault mission. So they have all these helicopters that come by, pick up all these infantrymen and assault a city on like the other side of the map. Mm-hmm. They don't do it notionally. They send in helicopters. They pick up a bunch of guys and these guys get out of these helicopters and attack a, a guarded city. And that's as we're like firing these field artillery rounds at the at the city um, with smoke rounds. And we have rounds that you can shoot at night that the round is attached to a parachute. And it's a uh, <laughs> this is insane. This blew my mind. If it's dead at night, you can shoot. It's called an, an loom round. And it's a um, it's a flare that you would shoot from like a flare gun attached to a parachute that explodes over the battlefield and hangs over the battlefield so that it, it illuminates Whoa. the whole area that your people are fighting in. So wow. you're like sitting there watching and then all of a sudden a sunburst, boom, lights up in the middle of the night and it just hangs there in the air. And it's a flare attached to a parachute. How long does it last? You're like, a long time. A long time. Like, I'd say like three to five minutes, something wow. like that. Wow. It's crazy. The stuff that we can do oh. is, it's unbelievable. So should man. we not post this? Because this sounds pretty classified, dude. Huh. No, I mean, all this stuff is like, it's public knowledge. Mm-hmm. If you want to look into it, like they have JRTC videos mm-hmm. and you can see what these rotations look like. So we won. 
we beat them. We like never win against the bad guys. We won the game. Yeah, against the bad That's guys. That's a good sign. We rocked it. I'm wow. kind of a little concerned that you just said you never win. <laughs> You're, what, well, are you it's really? Because blunt, it's the perfect enemy. Force trauma. Oh, the perfect enemy. Yeah. Well, and we're not the only unit that goes down there and trains down there. Uh, so other lesser <laughs> units like 10th Mountain Division, 101st <laughs> oh, Airborne Division. Dude. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I remember that made me think of um, you and you were quarterback for a football team. So maybe this will resonate. Um, a very sensitive memory I have. I was a freshman or maybe a sophomore in high school and I was I signed up for the newspaper. And one of the first things they had me do was sports. Uh, so I had to call different sports people to get quotes and stuff for the articles. And I called the, the quarterback. I got his everybody had their phone numbers in the directory. It was landlines. I called his family's house and wrote a story. Of course, I didn't even go to the football game. It was just like, eh, this is what happened. And this is what Duda said. And what then I called him like a few weeks later, I had the football story again and he got on me. He's like, well, I don't know if I want to talk to you since uh, you kind of misquoted me last time. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, you said that I said some stuff about the offensive line not doing a good job. And, and I, you know, I didn't say that and blah, blah, blah. And they were like offended that he had said this. And it didn't even register with me that like these teammates talking bad about each other or, you know, like the whole you doing reps with the media chaplain thing or you just talking crap about the 10th mounted division or whatever that like that <laughs> delicate dance of like competition and friendly razzing uh hmm. that was a, that was a very kind of not trauma but it made me very careful what i said people said mm -hmm. you know what i mean but i just got that yeah. i just got that feeling when you said that stuff about the 10th mount i was like oh well, man gosh what if somebody from the 10th mounted is listening uh, <laughs> three dogs north is going like, on yeah. record that those guys are lame <laughs> well hey you can't say that okay only i can say oh that. it's one of those that's how oh, it works. i can beat up my brother God. but if you come God. at him that's exactly right yeah all those guys are awesome they're so awesome dude all these stories that trek back to world war ii and like 10th mountain i think they have more deployments than any unit in in american history hmm. 10th mountain is awesome um 101st, they have a battalion called the Rakasans, which is the Japanese, it's the Japanese name for umbrellas because when they were parachuting into Japan, everybody's like, look at these umbrellas. And they they have like this whole tradition. It's this, wow. it's unbelievable. Yeah. Hmm. So they're, they're all awesome. They really <laughs> the 101st are. were, we're in Japan. Awesomer. Yep, they spend some time in Japan. That's Easy Company yeah. from uh, Band of Brothers. I didn't realize because I thought in that show... They didn't end up going to the Pacific. You, I'm wrong. You you are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. To Doesn't tell the you war end one. like because of the A-bomb right before they're about to because they don't have enough points or something? I thought that was one of the whole points of that end of that show when they get to the eagle's nest. Hitler's lair and they, you know, find all his wine or whatever. And they're like, oh, we got to go over to Japan now. Because they didn't have enough points. Am I remembering that totally wrong? Is that a different show? Is that Saving Private Ryan? I no. feel like 
No, I think you remember. And then they're about to go, but then the atomic bomb is dropped and the war ends. Sure. So, but the 101st is is broader than just Easy Company. Okay. That's what I'm missing then. Yeah. Yeah. So they would have had, yeah, different, they called them PIRs, parachute infantry regiments in a lot of different locations. Um, I mean, 101st was huge at D-Day. They were huge. Um, I mean, they, they did do some work in the Pacific, but yeah, huh. I mean, they, their history is, it's epic. It's, it's unbelievable. Did epic. I tell you my, yeah. uh, my grandmother's brother was in the 82nd in World War II? I don't know if you did. Yeah, I died over there. Hmm. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you guys, like y'all hearing that stuff, like what, <clears throat> I don't know what goes through your head, what goes through your head. Hearing the history stuff or just like the fact that you can illuminate a field for five minutes with a flare on an umbrella. You're like the, I guess, I mean, I guess all, all of it. it. I mean, I don't, I, I couldn't really point to one thing in particular, but I think it's just the military is such a massive reality. Um, the amount of money and resources that it takes, I think it's, it's cool. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, I think it's kind of like, to me, I, I think about massive realities. Like I'm a, like I'm, I live in Chicago. There's like two and a half million people in the city. And everybody is is needs food and everyone is creating waste and there are people who make trouble. And like the fact that this thing keeps going day after day and we're not our our city is not just filled with garbage and like our supply chain works and things like that that are just bigger human realities than I can comprehend always kind of boggle my mind. Um, You know, like I was driving down to to Owensboro this past week and I. Uh, for Eucharistic preaching mission, which went well. But I saw one of those trucks that's carrying garbage out of the city. And I was like, how many trucks need to carry the garbage out? You know? Um, So just like, I had a tiny taste of what a military reality would feel like, I think, with the Forest Service, Um, where there'd be like a big fire and there'd be a fire camp and just dozens and dozens of crews called in and there'd be a command and you just, it was hurry up and wait you know, somebody has got to make a plan. Reality changes on the ground every day. So then the plan changes and then you, you're kind of like waiting for orders and, um, it's just this big messy reality, but then somehow stuff gets done, but it just sounds like that, but way more organized and way more resourced. I am in awe of the stories, honestly, like I, your stories in general of, um, yeah, it's such a big, operation like before when your internet was down this we were talking a little bit of um and this i don't know that there's much there necessarily but um i used to think about it a fair amount but there's like kind of the imagery of like just what it means to be a soldier you know of i mean that i think there's a lot there at least in and i want to speak like i know firsthand what's in the modern day military but just like you know what that means and like um i don't know i think there's a lot of depth to to that the whole idea i mean in a similar way of in awe at the like the organization of it and i am very interested 
I think in, in the last year, especially of just like the whole notion of organi- organizational leadership is extraordinarily yeah. hard, you know, and, um, you know, so how that functions and, and works is they kind of joke about it when you're in seminary of like, Hey, they don't really like teach you this stuff necessarily. And like in a, you know, totally small scale thing, but then like run in a parish or things like that, that take a level of organizational leadership. And you're just like, man, even at this level, this is really, there's like a big learning mm-hmm. curve here. And then you think of a scale like, like a general that. of an army. Right. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's such a next level um, thing. And I think that maybe third, I don't know if that was two, but uh, it's just fascinating to hear, like call them subcultures of humanity in some ways, obviously. And there's subcultures within like the military, clearly. Um, but just the fact that a place like that exists where you could run a training mission like that and light up the sky. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah, it's so cool. It's so cool. But it's like, I don't know. I, I guess I relate it just different experiences that, you know, I've had that anybody can have. But it's cool. And you don't, I don't think you necessarily have to travel super far or anything like that or even anything extreme. But just be like, wow, like I always kind of had a notion that this existed, but like I actually get to see mm-hmm. it. I'm thinking of um, like my family last summer went on vacation um, in just like rural Oklahoma and had a great time. We got a big Airbnb down there. And on the Friday night we were there, we just went to this small town rodeo in like a town of a thousand people in Oklahoma. And they literally had a rodeo behind the football field. Wow. Um, and it was so much fun. So there were, and like even there, there was aspects that like reminded me a lot of home of like the small town thing. But then there was stuff that like I had never mm-hmm. seen before. And like the people were friendly and it was awesome. Um, and I, I remember kind of thinking that that night, I was like, that was just like so cool to see, mm-hmm. you know, like it wasn't home for me, but that's just amazing that that exists, yeah. you know, or that that place does. And so I kind of think of that in that story of like, man, that place is so uncontingent on me. That's what (laughs) that's that's what I mean by the city stuff and like the garbage and whatnot. Like there's just so much that goes to sustaining the life that I live. The military is just one of these huge realities that I take for granted that there are people who are stressing and working and practicing and spending lots and lots of money so that we can send our military anywhere in the world in 18 hours to set up an airhead to seize airheads. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how any of it works, but it does. It, but I will say, and I got to get going here, but I, because of Paul Porter's, <laughs> Paul Porter's sending us that uh, unlisted YouTube video. I got into his YouTube channel and I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot he made these videos. And I watched the one that you did Mike mm-hmm. on Joan of Arc and wonder woman. Oh yeah, and uh, and I think this is this will be my final thought. But um, talking about the whole organizational leadership stuff and uh, what can devolve into bureaucracy, like you get you get away from the easy company guys setting up the whatever on D Day to the four stars and the five stars, whatever up there, like moving pieces around on a chessboard. Like it's very hard to get to stay connected to the reality when you're at that level. And you had mentioned in the video how. Diana, Wonder Woman, because of her innocence and her just like 
perception or response to reality as it is. Like she would see the suffering or see the evil. She would just act and there was no hesitation in her. Um, And the same with Joan of Arc, like because she was innocent, it didn't make her like less prepared for reality. It made her more able to see things for what they were. Like I think you used the term black and white versus gray. There's all this gray area in the people who have like, you know, see all the ins and outs and all the angles and the compromises and stuff. Um, so there's, there's something to say about that too. I think like maintaining your innocence in it, which makes your role as the chaplain very important, I think, because as we mentioned in the movie fury, like the, that sort of deliberate corruption of innocence on the part of the more seasoned soldiers, like, Hey, you gotta just realize that you gotta suppress your humanity here. And, um, and that, you know, this disconnect between the leadership and the and the grunts on the ground that like they don't really care about us. They don't really know about us. And, you know, you kind of got to fend for yourself. And I think there's a potential for a lot of dysfunction there. Um, yeah. But I thought you said it well in that video. Yeah. Well, I wrote it out and worked on that script for like a Dude, while. Those videos are very, so I, very I impressive. Um, they're they're good. It was really disappointing that I did that one. We really wanted we had a specific girl in mind. Mm that we thought would have been captivating mm-hmm. with it. And we, we just couldn't, we couldn't get her. But mm. uh, then you have some dude reading Joan of Arc yeah. in Wonder Woman script. <laughs> it just, just doesn't, doesn't work, but I'm glad you liked it. And um, no, I mean, I, I totally agree. And I know you got to go, but like even, um, you know, I mean, just to translate that into um, like, the everyday experience like rob even you talking about how cool it was to see a rodeo in oklahoma there's like there's not a jadedness to Mm -hmm. it that there's there's like this the possibility because it doesn't mean that you're naive it's this innocence that allows you to just experience the thing as it is and and it oftentimes leads to wonder and i i think that's what i have being here in the military uh, I, I've been like, I've wanted to come here for so long and I understand how things work. I, I have a pretty good perception of it, but I am just like, you will find me just standing out in, in post here, just like staring at helicopters and, um, like listening to explosions on posts and everybody's just like, ah, just kind of going along with it. Like this is normal mm-hmm. or it's probably some dumb Blackhawk and they had to take like 30 minutes extra to refuel and probably forgot a bunch of stuff. And those pilots are probably jerks and. You're like, hmm. I don't know. It's a frick, it's a helicopter flying through the air. That's pretty sweet, pretty cool, man. man. <laughs> How about that, it's dude? Very childlike, and yeah, and I, yeah, and I get what everybody's saying. It's like, yeah, there is. It's not just black and white, but um, black and white also has to exist yeah. in order for there to be something like gray. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, yeah. So I, I w- wish we could talk about it some more, but you're the worst so (laughs) all right fellas good talk all right man you gotta sign off the computer yeah i gotta sign off the computer peace out follow free dogs north on instagram three dogs north are juice seabisque and michael metz Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary 
and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.